You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. On today's show, we'll recap the last few SEC spring games that took place over the weekend, and we're going to talk all things Tennessee Volunteers with our buddy Eric Kane, host of Locked on Vols. We'll get a full report on the quarterback battle under first-year head coach Josh Heupel, and we'll hit on a few other tidbits around the conference, including LSU hiring a big-name as their next women's basketball coach and the Kentucky Wildcats bringing home the SEC's first national title in volleyball. I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure to follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcasts. you get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. All right, four spring games over the weekend that wrapped up all spring football for the SEC. We start with the Tennessee Volunteers, finished up their spring practice with the annual orange and white game on Saturday. It's a high-scoring exhibition that ended the same way that so many spring scrimmages had since Josh Dobbs left with the Vols heading into the fall with questions at the quarterback position. But the ball was flying. Much different look than uh, we've seen in the last few years at that quarterback spot. Josh Heupel already having an influence. The story of the first half was the passing game with Brian Maurer, uh, Hendon Hooker and Harrison Bailey all combining for nearly 400 yards and three touchdowns. The good news is even in a spring game setting, it appears Tennessee has some good options there. We'll discuss more on that in just a bit with Eric Kane. Over at Ole Miss, they hosted their annual spring scrimmage on Saturday, the Grove Bowl, pitting the first-team offense and the second-team defense against first-team defense and second-team offense. The blue team was led by junior quarterback Matt Corral. They won 28-6. Matt Corral only played one half. He led all four touchdown drives for his team in the game. Threw for over 200 yards with two touchdowns and led the team into the red zone three other times, which ended with two rushing touchdowns and a turnover on downs. Defenders, they pulled down four interceptions on the day, including one each from freshman early enrollees, Tysheem Johnson, who has been all the buzz of spring ball at Ole Miss and MJ Daniels. Junior defensive back DeAndre Prince also intercepted a pass in his first Grove Bowl since returning to the team this offseason. And Corral was linking up with his favorite target in senior wide receiver Braylon, Saund- uh, Braylon Sanders, who caught four passes for 135 yards and a touchdown in the first half, including a 62-yard completion on the first play from scrimmage and a 28-yard gainer to put the blue team on the one-yard line with three seconds left in the half. None of Ole Miss's five scholarship running backs played, and that allowed walk-on senior Jaquazy Walker to stand out. He had 11 rushes for 75 yards and two touchdowns. It is hard to see him stealing reps, though, from the likes of Jerry Ealy, Snoop Connor, and Henry Parrish when all those guys come back in the fall. Over at College Station, the Maroon team defeated the white team 28-6 for Texas A&M, but all eyes were on the quarterback spot where Haynes King shook off a knee injury when a defensive lineman fell into him, got one last series, and uh, ended with him finding a wide-open Reese Mason for a walk-in touchdown. The offensive line, a little subpar for the Aggies on Saturday. And receivers kind of struggled with some drops. Jalen Watermeyer and Caleb Chapman were not playing, but there were uh, 
There were some highlights like uh, Anaya Smith connecting on a wheel route. And uh, Haynes King finished 16 of 31 for over 200 yards passing with a touchdown and an interception. Zach Calzada, who uh, a lot of people have been saying keep an eye on him. He could challenge Haynes King for that starting job. He finished 19 for 41 for 250 yards with a touchdown and a pick. Again, it was a lot of good and a lot of bad. Just a mixed bag for the quarterbacks. And you really start to look at Kellen Mond and say, okay, maybe at times he was a game manager, but sometimes games game managers win you games and help keep a steady hand at that quarterback spot. But uh, Jimbo Fisher maintained after Saturday's scrimmage that even though everyone is talking about the quarterbacks, he said, look, I'm not worried about the quarterbacks. I'm worried about the guys around them. He also added that both King and Calzada had solid days. Anaya Smith, who we mentioned, the running back, five catches, 115 yards and a touchdown. And Hezekiah Jones had five catches for 82 yards. But that is certainly a quarterback spot that we'll keep an eye on uh, heading into the summer and the fall. Over in South Carolina, 13,200 Gamecock fans watched the Garnet and Black Spring game on Sunday. They moved from Saturday to Sunday due to weather. And first-year head coach Shane Beamer confirmed after the game Luke Doty is the starter. He said, quote, unless something totally changes between now and when we watch the tape, Luke Doty is our starting quarterback. Like every other position, there's going to be competition throughout the summer. By no means are we anointing Luke, but he's taken every rep with the first team all spring practice. I didn't see anything today to make me think otherwise. He's been great. He said Luke Doty will continue to earn that job all the way up until week one. The uh, number four dual threat quarterback, number 86 overall recruit in the class of 2020. He played seven games last year, completed 60% of his passes for 400 yards, two touchdowns, and three picks. He also rushed 41 times for 91 yards. Shane Beamer lamented that one-fourth of his team was not playing because of injuries, including the SEC's returning rushing leader in Kevin Harris, but Zaquandre White... He showed some bursts with a uh, 22-yard run, later scored the first touchdown of the game. He finished with 95 yards and a score on 14 carries. Uh, Tight end Jaheim Bell on the first drive. He had two carries for 18 yards. And near the end of the first half, 6'7", 242-pound wide receiver E.J. Jenkins, who transferred in from St. Francis. He pulled in a nice pass from his fellow St. Francis transfer, Jason Brown, for a touchdown. Be fun to see the different uh, styles next season in the SEC, but I think South Carolina knows where their bread is buttered and is with that running game, starting with Kevin Harris. But congrats to Luke Doty earning the uh, starting job. A few other tidbits: uh, Markel Utsi is going to be switching sides in the battle line rivalry, reuniting with Barry Odom. Utsi uh, entered the transfer portal earlier this month. He's been at the University of Missouri. He announced yesterday he's committed to transfer to Arkansas. He's a Little Rock na- native, was a three-star prospect coming out of uh, the class of 2016. He chose Barry Odom's Mizzou program back then. Played in 40 games over his five seasons at Missouri. And uh, in January, he announced he'd be taking advantage of his extra year of eligibility to play a sixth season of college football. So that is a big get for Barry Odom's defense over at Arkansas. And women's basketball news, quite a big story as LSU's uh, women's coach Nikki Caldwell left the team this past week to pursue a career at the WNBA level. And LSU officially on Sunday announced they are welcoming in former Baylor head coach Kim Mulkey 
Malky is a Louisiana native, comes to a program that has been looking for excitement that's been missing since Pokey Chapman and Van Chancellor were taking them to Final Fours. Well, nothing's going to get your LSU fan base more excited than a seven-time Big 12 Coach of the Year who has won three national championships and won as recent as just two years ago. So that's a big get for LSU. Her son, Kramer Robertson, who played baseball at LSU a couple years back, he tweeted out, hardest secret I've ever had to keep in my life, go Tigers. But uh, certainly going to generate a lot of buzz and excitement for LSU women's basketball with a you know, person as accomplished as Kim Mulkey coming over to take over the program. And lastly, a shout-out to Kentucky Volleyball, beating the Texas Longhorns on Saturday night to win the national championship in volleyball with their national title win. The SEC now has a national championship in all 21 sports that it sponsors. Did not realize that, but shout-out to the SEC. We now have a title in everything. And there you go. That is around the conference. When we come back, we're going to talk all things Tennessee Volunteers. How did their quarterbacks look over the weekend? Eric Kane, host of Locked on Vols, will fill us in. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way for you to bet on all of your sports action. We've got uh, NBA on a nightly basis starting to wrap up. The playoffs will be here very soon. We've got uh, MLB. I've talked to a lot of you guys out there who uh, across the South, a lot of uh, Astros fans and uh, Braves fans and a few Marlins fans in the Florida area, but uh, a lot of Braves fans. If you want to bet on the action, go to betonline.ag. They've got you covered with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. They even had props this past weekend for the Oscars. You could have bet on those. BetOnline has got you covered with all the news, scores, and odds that you need. It is the best way to place your bets and is free to sign up. Head on over to their website. You can do so on your laptop, your tablet, your mobile device. Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all caps. Use that promo code LOCKEDON when you're signing up, and you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline. They are your online sportsbook experts. The Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Lockdown and Odyssey is happening right now. Analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Lockenfora, Brian Baldinger, our local experts for every team making trades, picking the next stars of their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 in the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. We've been recapping the uh, action from last week with the spring games, and then, of course, this past weekend with the spring games. And we previewed Ole Miss and Texas A&M last week. We did not preview Tennessee because I said, you know, what? we're going to get our buddy Eric Kane on, host of Locked on Vols, after the Tennessee spring game to talk about what we saw. And he was there in person, got to see it. Eric, welcome into the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me back on. So uh, let's just start with, I mean, look, there's plenty to digest and take away, but in your opinion, what what was your biggest takeaway from uh, the Tennessee spring game this past weekend? Well, without a doubt, it was it was the offense, how different this offense is, how different it looks, and, and hopefully how uh, different uh, it'll come, you know, be in the fall. Because what we, 
in the media covering the, the Tennessee football program, what the fans have, uh, have had to deal with the past couple of years. In terms of the offense, it's been boring. It's not been fun to watch. <laughs> it's been like watching paint dry. But, um, you know, on Saturday, it was completely the up-tempo. You know, I'm taking notes there at the beginning of the scrimmage, uh, trying to type out some tweets, taking some notes, writing down the starters. And I look up, and they've already run three plays. The tempo was really, really fast. Uh, it looks like the offense has got a ton of playmakers at the receiver position. Um, it was really nice seeing Harrison Bailey step up and play quarterback at a high level. Um, having said all that, the defense looks like it's got some issues. But overall, the biggest takeaway, the offense is going to go in a hurry, and it's going to try to uh, score as many points as it possibly can, obviously. Yeah, I'm so glad you, you brought that up because, you know, that was my reaction when they hired – Josh Heupel is the head coach. I said, well, look, I mean, the, the positive here is the offense has to get better. I, you know, I said, I, I don't know if they're going to win more games or what. Time will tell on that. But I, I just got a feeling. I mean, when you look at, you know, even just uh, the last couple years, um, you know, you lose a game 34-7 to or 24-13. to I mean, the offense was, was not good. So at least, I mean, is it fair to say from a Tennessee fan perspective – if you're going to lose games, you'd rather lose and be entertaining, right? I mean, that's my that's my thought about it as well. Yeah, if you're going to lose, you might you want to give yourself a chance. And I, I feel like over the course of the past couple of seasons with uh, with Jeremy Pruitt at the helm, whether it was Tyson Helton or Jim Chaney following the guidelines of what Jeremy Pruitt wanted in this football team and what his offense would look like, I, I feel like Tennessee a lot of times didn't even have a chance because they couldn't score points. They didn't have a quarterback that would push the ball downfield. They didn't have an offensive line a lot of the times that would give that quarterback uh, a chance to do just that. It had no run game that could complement um, uh, you know, a passing game, whereas you, you can't move guys into the box. Uh, there was a lot of issues there. So I feel like if you're going to lose some games, which uh, I expect Tennessee to lose some games this fall, you know, lose games scoring you know, 30 points or so, because if you score 30 points or more, you're going to give yourself a chance to win regardless. And, you know, from there, it's just one turnover away. It's one stop away from really making things interesting against some of these teams. So I would agree with that without a doubt. Let's uh, let's touch on the quarterbacks. I know you, you kind of mentioned it in passing, but um, what did it look like? Uh, Harrison Bailey, I know, you know, threw for the most yards and the, the most touchdowns, but had Hendon Hooker coming in over from Virginia Tech. We know Brian Moore has, has been here for a while. Um, I mean, did we get a clear picture that, Bailey is, is in the driver's seat, or is this still an open competition? I think it's still an open competition. Uh, Josh Heupel said post-game that it is, it is still an open competition. Uh, Joe Milton is going to be on campus uh, for the summer, and he is certainly going to um, have something to say about this competition. Uh, so I, I don't think anything was decided on, on Saturday, in my opinion. But the Tennessee fans are going to take this performance from Harrison Bailey and run with it. And uh, you know, to Billy's credit, hey, he, he, he played a pretty good game. He was 12 of 15 passing, 260 yards, and two touchdowns. I will say, uh, one of his touchdowns, you had the, the quarterback fight on the slant, so they ran, uh, they ran doubles out of tandem, and it was an easy touchdown for Bayless Jones Jr. on the far end zone. Another, uh, a long pass completion came to, uh, Jack Jancic, who, um, is, is a walk-on receiver, but, it was a completely – it was a busted coverage. And so – but, again, to Bailey's credit, he completed those passes. He recognized it. He stepped up and, and made the throws. I thought Harrison Bailey had control of his offense. He looked very consistent. He looked very confident, and he was consistent uh, in, in what he was doing on Saturday. So it was a good day from Bailey. 
Um, you know, Hendon Hooker, who I was really excited to watch and get to get some first, you know, glances on, he started the game with the first offense. Um, it didn't really didn't really impress a whole lot. Finished five of nine, only fifty six yards through the air. Uh, he ran for a touchdown. Uh, they finished the scrimmage of him throwing a touchdown, so you can add a touchdown to his stats. But he, um, he he had trouble pushing the ball downfield, in, in my opinion. He held on to the ball a little late. Uh, he forced the ball in, and it got picked off for a pick six. Um, I would say Hendon Hooker struggled a little bit. And then overall, Brian Mauer, I think he had a solid day. He made the best throws of the day, but also – um, you know, he had a he had an illegal procedure penalty. He had an intentional grounding penalty. It just kind of the same stuff from Brian Mauer. So there were some highs and some lows. So I think we're a, a ways away from deciding who this quarterback is going to be for Tennessee. But um, one thing is for sure, Harrison Bailey, where he was kind of an afterthought at the beginning of spring practice, he's all the buzz leaving spring practice this year. Eric, where are we with the run game? I know Jabari Small has been a, a big talk of the the spring. And, um, you know, just looking at the stats, uh, I saw he had, you know, close to 50 yards rushing. But, um, I mean, is it basically his job to lose? And, I mean, how how different is this run game going to look this year with, uh, obviously, some of the big names we've become familiar with in recent years no longer here? You know, it's funny. Whenever you have Ty Chandler leaving, you have Eric Gray leaving. It's like, man, there, there's, there's nobody else returning. And Jabari Small got a little bit of run last year. Not a whole lot, but he is your top – you know, running back the returns of this offense, and um, it, it's a unit that has hardly any experience. But Jabari Small has had a fantastic spring. Uh, yeah, you mentioned he finished the day about 12 carries for about 50 yards. He did score twice yesterday, which was a good sign. But um, Alex Dolas, Jerry Mack, um, players involved, they've all been so very complimentary of what Jabari Small has been so far this spring. His ability to uh, get upfield, get vertical, find those run lanes in this zone-heavy blocking scheme, uh, take on uh, take on the first contact and, and push through it. He is a guy that's pretty stout as well. and So I think he's a nice little all-purpose back. So behind Jabari Small, you're going to have Tyon Evans who came in. He was the number one rated Juco running back in the country last year, part of this class recruiting class. He was injured for the most part of spring practice, got a little bit of run there towards the end. Uh, he'll be in the conversation to kind of split some carries with Small a little bit. And then after that, you got Dee Backwith, who's been a really nice story. He's six foot. 5, 230. He doesn't look like a running back, but he runs with great pad level, and I think he can be a nice change of pace back as well. Uh, T. Hodge as well. And so you've got some options. It's funny. Probably the biggest question mark coming into spring practice outside of quarterback was the running back backfield, and you leave spring again uh, really pleased with the quality depth of that position heading into fall. More with Eric Kane right after this. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar out there, they're even more deliciouser because they've got a ton of newer flavors that you've got to check out. Go to their website right now, BuiltBar.com. You can check out all they have to offer. I tell you guys all the time, the cookies and cream is my favorite. Built Bar is great if you're looking to be a little bit more health conscious or you're just looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They are bars that are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew, Low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. The uh, cookies and cream that I like, 17 grams of protein packed in there, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams net carbs. It is a great alternative from some of the other junk you might be eating out there, like uh, candy bars or uh, potato chips. The 
why not make the healthier choice and uh, pack your diet with a little more protein? Go check out their website at BuiltBar.com and you use the promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you will get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Hey, this year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft Live, get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft starting this Thursday. Continue our conversation with Eric Kane, host of Locked On Vols, and uh, recapping the orangey-white spring game over the weekend. And Eric, I was a little taken aback when I uh, saw, I mean, you know, I've watched a lot of these spring games throughout the, the last couple of weeks, and, you know, I've seen, you know, it's two-hand touch where, oh, okay, that's a sack, they blow it dead, whatever. Um, was the offensive line just that good yesterday or on Saturday, or is the defense kind of ailing and getting to the quarterbacks? Because I think I only saw one sack recorded. Yeah, I think a little bit of both. Um, I, I do think this offensive line, though you lose Trey Smith to the NFL, though you lose Brandon Kennedy, uh, though you lose, of course, Wanya Morris to Oklahoma, Jameer Johnson to Texas A&M, the list goes on. Um, I do think you, you bring back a lot of guys who've got a lot of experience, and I think this offensive line is going to be okay, going to be solid. But uh, the defensive line, again, it was an issue last year. Ever since Tracy Rocker left, uh, Jeremy Pruitt's staff, the defensive line has really not been anything to you know to brag about. It's, it's had issues getting to the quarterback. There's there's a ton of guys that have played. I mean, you bring back you know seven or eight lettermen on that defensive line, and that's not even a joke. Guys that have played a whole lot of football, but have had issues just trying to get to the quarterback. And so that was kind of the same issue yesterday in the spring game. Now I will say, Tennessee did not have four defensive linemen play yesterday. Tennessee did not have. Uh, Byron Young, who is a mid-year enrollee from the junior college ranks, has had a really nice spring. He's an outside linebacker. Uh, he did not play. So there were guys out there for the defense overall, especially in the front seven, that weren't in uniform yesterday to help out just because it's a spring game. But you're right. I think the defensive line in this front seven, it's kind of been the same story the past couple of years. It's really struggled to get to the quarterback. And that's going to be an issue because if you can't get to the quarterback, you're going to leave your back five and six out the dry trying to cover the pass, especially in uh, in press man coverage. Do you think with Tim Banks taking over this defense that we might see, I mean, are they going to just be more aggressive because they don't have, you know, a lot of star uh, standout players? And obviously we know the, the linebacking core is a little thin, but like um, I, I guess if you're Tim Banks, do you just throw the kitchen sink and, and say we're just going to get after guys and blitz like crazy? You know, um, I, we haven't seen it, so I'm not really sure. But I would, I would assume that that's kind of the mindset. Maybe not throw the kitchen sink, but to, to obviously play aggressive, uh, take chances. Um, you know, really, really dial it up with some blitzes from from the secondary, from the second level. Um, because again, you have deficiencies all across the board. Your linebacker position is not going to be good, even when Jeremy Banks and Roman Harrison return. Those are two guys that uh, have been out this spring. Uh, those are two guys that. Um, are not developed as far along as they should be at the linebacker position. So uh, because of these positions that are that are suffering a little bit, because you are thin in numbers, I do believe you're going to you know, try to take some more chances, try to be aggressive, try to go and get the football. 
And, um, you know, in, in order to do that, you know, hand the football back over to your offense to kind of aid in that assault because regardless, I think you're, I think you're going to be giving up close to 30 points a game no matter what, especially in this SEC. And that's not great. That's not the goal. But for right now, I think that's kind of where you are. Willie Martinez, who was a part of Butch Jones' staff at Tennessee a couple of years ago, he has been at uh, UCF with Josh Heifel the past three seasons. And so he's not the coordinator. He's not going to be calling plays, but he kind of knows what it's like to play on the other side of the football for a Josh Heifel um, you know, coach program. So I think with that experience, you're going to see Tennessee's defense being a little bit more aggressive and saying, hey, I will give up the yards. It's going to be more of a bend but not break type situation. Just a few more for you, Eric. Uh, do we have a any update on Henry Toa Toa and where he's going to end up? Yeah, no update on my end, um, at least for me. He still remains in the transfer portal. He, Colbert Crouch, they have been in the portal for quite some time. They have been away from the team. Um, yeah, there was an article from the 24-7 site uh, about a month or two ago. Uh, they kind of sat down and talked with Henry T's father and how Alabama was a prime candidate and uh, looking like he was going to go to Alabama and how Nick Saban advised the Tuotuos to wait until the one-time transfer rule was passed before making a decision. Well, that was a couple weeks ago now, and so we'll have to see. But um, as far as I know, that the Tuotuos, or, or Henry T, is still in the transfer portal along with Carreras Crouch. I do not believe that they will be returning to Tennessee, um, but I, I guess we'll just have to see. I, I'm not sure where their next destination is to answer your question. <laughs> What uh, what was the atmosphere like, just in general? I mean, was it nice to have? And I know you, the, they had the open practice for fans a couple weeks ago, but what was it like having the uh, the spring game and having it feel a little bit like a game atmosphere with people in the seats? Yeah, it was fun. I mean, uh, it, was, it was a little bit rainy. It rained all morning long, and then it stopped. Uh, you know, when I went on the air for my pregame show at two o'clock, about two hours before kickoff. The rain stopped, and, you know, we saw some fans show up. And so I do think the rain kept away some fans that would have come. But nonetheless, you had a good turnout inside Neyland Stadium. You had the music playing. Uh, the part of the Southland marching band, a portion of the band was there. And um, it, it kind of felt like a little bit of normalcy, and it felt a lot, like a whole lot of fun. It's nothing compared to what it will be in the fall, for sure. But it felt good to get back out there. You had, uh, you had, football, on, uh, you had football on the grass. You had the band playing. He had music playing in between plays, and um, I think it was a good turnout. And I think the I think the fans were really pleased and excited to come and get some get some eyes on Josh Heifel and the staff for the very first time. Well, I'm, I'm sure fans are excited, and you know the excitement level is always there when you have something new and and fresh. But what are realistic expectations for this season? Because I look at that schedule, and I'm just like. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they went 0 for 4 on the road with road trips to uh, Florida, Missouri, Alabama, and Kentucky, and then of course you get, you know, the the big game against Georgia at home. I mean, it's uh, that's a brutal schedule next year. Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be a tough schedule in the SEC. You know that, but uh, check keep that non-conference schedule for Tennessee. You've got a game at Pitt. That's week two. That should be a challenge, but really. It's a pretty weak non-conference schedule. This is a uh, this is a schedule that Butch Jones put together uh, a couple years ago, and it's really not that strenuous in terms of non-conference. So I expect Tennessee, you know, really to win four games in non-conference. And, and so you mean to tell me Tennessee can't win two games against you know one of the two, whether it be uh, Missouri, who I know is improving, um, uh, Kentucky, which will be a, a challenge, of course, especially for Tennessee here of late, uh, Vanderbilt. 
Um, if you you know win two of those games, that's six wins on the season. And, and for year one, six and six, I think is okay. I, and especially everything that's been going on in this program here of late, if you get to six wins in year one with Josh Heupel, uh, with the numbers the way that they are right now, I think that is just fine. I think that's okay. But you're right. Old Miss is going to be a challenge. Can Tennessee keep up with Old Miss? Uh, Missouri has greatly improved. Can Tennessee uh, take down an Eli Drinkwitz club that uh, seems to be improving? It seems to have a quarterback as well. Uh, Kentucky's going to be, you know, Kentucky is, is feeling pretty good about itself, and especially from what it did to Tennessee at Neyland Stadium last year. So uh, it will be a challenge, but I think six wins very attainable for this club, and uh, I, that's what I expect here this fall for Tennessee in, in 2021. Last thing, Eric, uh, what did you make of the, the baseball team? Obviously a disappointing series loss a week ago against uh, against Vanderbilt at, at home, but uh, this past weekend, take it two out of three against Texas A&M. Though, when you do a doubleheader, you never know. You know, that, that middle game kind of slips through, but, uh, man, the bats sure erupted in the Sunday game, 20 runs, and uh, Eric Russell, I think, is uh, what an ex- – or Evan Russell, I'm sorry, so it's such an exciting player to watch – with the, that power and the home runs that he just seems to hit every single game. Yeah, and he's a guy that he's always been a contributor the past four years, but he's never been a, a, a steady guy in the lineup. I mean, he'll DH here, he'll play first base here, he'll um, you know come in and play outfield here, but he's never been a routine guy in the lineup. And it's just it's crazy to me that with all that power and especially what he's done here this past season. Um, that, that the walk-on, yeah, I said that right, the walk-on um, is having just the, the, the season that he's having. But nonetheless, I think it's, it's incredible. He certainly has a whole lot of power, and uh, Tennessee is certainly appreciative for that. But that just goes to show you the depth and the quality that, that Tennessee has in this lineup, and you're still trying to see it all kind of come together. But, um, you know, Tennessee, it, it, it uh, had a, a fun and exciting Game 2 victory against Vanderbilt uh, when Evan Russell, who we're talking about, hit. Uh, three home runs, including a grand slam, which is which is pretty incredible. Um, but did drop that series to Vanderbilt, and you know that that's that's okay. But Tony Vitello said, you know, that was very 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 needed for this club. You needed to lose a series. You needed to um, you know face that type of pitching because Tennessee, unless you play Vanderbilt again, Tennessee will never face that type of pitching or better pitching at all this season. When you go on throughout the rest of the regular season to regionals and beyond. Uh, that's as good as it's going to get with Kumar Rocker and, uh, of course, the, the rest of that staff. And so um, I think it was a, a great experience for Tennessee. I think you learned a lot of lessons. and You're moving on now with a, a couple of weekends that you can manage before, you know, having to finish off the, uh, the, the regular season strong against Arkansas and South Carolina. Yeah, I was going to say, two very winnable series coming up against uh, Kentucky and at Missouri. But, yeah, to finish off the year with, with Arkansas, then on the road to South Carolina, neither of those will be easy. But, uh, man, this has been such a fun uh, season to watch SEC baseball. I mean, it, everybody's good. Even the teams that aren't ranked uh, can sneak up on you and play competitively, and the SEC is just absolutely loaded. But Tennessee has been the, the big surprise team this year. They played so well, and – Obviously, our, our postseason bound and uh, looking to cap off this season the right way. He is uh, Eric Kane, host of Locked On Vols. Uh, Eric, let our listeners know uh, what you got up on the podcast this week. Yeah, so uh, you know, today and you know, really this entire week, we are going to be breaking down the Orange and White game, breaking down spring practice overall, what we've learned, and what Tennessee needs to do from here on out before the start of the 2021 campaign. We'll have Josh Ward Wednesday, a couple more VFLs join the show. All that this week on Locked on Fall.
Awesome. Love it. Great stuff, Eric. Thanks so much for the time, man. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you. That is just about going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. Appreciate uh, Eric Kane coming on to talk all things Tennessee Volunteers with us. Throughout this week, we'll continue to uh, put a cap on the SEC spring games as spring practice, spring ball uh, has come to an end. And we will uh, start to look ahead to the summer months where we will have uh, SEC media days. And, of course, teams starting to report and get ready for fall ball. And college football will be back before you know it. But uh, throughout this week, we're going to catch up with uh, some folks uh, to talk all things NFL Draft. Tony Pauline will join us uh, this week. Long time guy been covering the draft. We'll get his analysis on all the SEC guys, at least the the first rounders and maybe some middle round guys coming out of the SEC where they could go. And also have an interview with uh, former Auburn wide receiver Anthony Schwartz will join the show. All that coming this week on Locked on SEC. You don't want to miss it. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.